Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you, and thanks for joining me on The Brian Buffini Show. Today I have something unusual for you. We are going to be launching an additional episode a month called Takeover Tuesday. And it's not quite a hostile takeover. Oh, it's not exactly a friendly takeover either. just feels like a hostile takeover. And uh, what we're going to be doing is my brother Dermot, who is the CEO of Buffini & Company. Oh, by the way, for you Americans, that's D-E-R-M-O-T. I said Dermot, not Dammit. (laughs) or Kermit, my mother and father named him after a bishop, Bishop Dermot of Dublin. But uh, Dermot is the backbone of Buffini & Company, which has become the largest business coaching and training company in North America. And Dermot has a couple of things going for him. He has one of the most interesting and broad Rolodexes of business relationships, business leaders and influencers that you ever want to meet. And Dermot has a high level of curiosity. His middle name is George. We used to call him Curious George. And Dermot, in his own right, has done for Buffini Company many interviews. And recently, we made a couple of these available through different formats. And people just loved them and said, man, we'd love to hear him on the podcast once in a while. So we're going to do that. We're going to do Takeover Tuesdays. And we're going to bring Dermot in, Dermo as I call him. And he's going to bring in some of his relationships, who are some extraordinary people, and expose you to not only people who have been super successful in the industry we serve, like real estate or other industries, but also people who have become hugely successful in their own right, and find out what makes them tick, how they work, and how they've become who they've become. So, Dermot, welcome to the Brian Buffini Show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) And uh, so, thousands of people listen to this podcast. They tune in for the mindsets and the motivation, the methodologies for success. But you represent something a little different as the CEO of Buffini Company. Maybe you can give them a little insight as to what you do. There's a business that goes on yeah. apart from what I get to do over here. Right. As you say, it's been really cool. That's a great introduction, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. It's my, um, it's my specialty. <laughs> but it's been very cool to see what's happened with this podcast and the fact that there's the growth of it and there's such a a huge need out there and, and, a, and a desire for people to hear the content and the motivation and the inspiration and the teaching of what you've been doing for 20 years. And I think it's very cool for us to be able to kind of take people on this next level of the journey and, you know, a little bit behind the scenes of what's behind you and what you've built and what I've been involved in. Mm-hmm. I've been involved for 17 years now of a company, a Buffini company that's been around 20 years. And this show represents the opportunity to impact people's lives. And our mission as a company is to impact and improve the lives of people. And the impacting has happened through events, which you've done for, God only knows how many events you've done over the years. I don't want to bring up any trauma, (laughs) but I know that you've done more than your fair share for 20 years. And I've been out on the road with you and to see thousands of people gathered for two days to learn, to grow, to improve their lives. You know, many people here might not know the fact that you know more than anybody how limited a seminar is. And the fact that many people on this podcast might not know that you've built a company 20 years ago that helps people after they leave the seminar, which does the second part of our mission, which is to improve their lives, mm-hmm. where we walk alongside them for a year and figure out how do you implement that goal? How do you implement that strategy? How do you apply that? What do you do when you get discouraged? So I'm excited to come on here and just share 
you know, my world is to make sure that we're improving the lives of people, that we're delivering on the promise that you So make. you're the CEO of a company that has hundreds of employees in numerous states, mm-hmm. uh, but mainly headquartered here in San Diego. Mm-hmm. You have a big coaching division mm-hmm. and you have whatever, I don't know, 14 different departments. Mm-hmm. You have a big operation. You know, we like to say it's an engine with a heart. Mm-hmm. Along the way, talk a little bit about your journey. How in the heck... Did you just end up as the CEO because yeah. you happened to be blessed to be born with the right yeah. last name? Were you given the keys to the kingdom? Were you a, yeah. a silver spoon mm. kid? Is that the deal? I, I'd, I'd be amazed if this next section actually makes the podcast. Because <laughs> I don't think this is going to help endear you to the audience. But let's say maybe there's a few people out here listening who have a, a brother, an older brother, who's fun to grow up with. and. Uh, but there's always a bit of a hazing process in an older brother, younger brother experience. So when I came here, you know, I had, I had run my own companies. I'd been involved in corporations. and um, You'd worked over in England for a period of yeah, time. Yeah, I had my own company over there, had a couple of partners in the transportation business. I had sold insurance door to door. I started selling shoes and clothes in a great store in Dublin called Zerup. On and Grafton Street, on Grafton Street. famous street, yeah. Yeah, so, so I kind of thought, you know, I was, uh, that's what they say over here, all that in a bag of chips by the time I decided to come over here and help sort out your company right and i think what and it's one of the things we've we've grown up with and it's a good principle which is i was no different than anybody else coming into the company where i had to didn't matter what my last name was i had to earn my stripes and so i always tell people you know especially as they join the company i tell them listen you know i came here and whatever the lowest rung on the ladder was i started two rungs below that no doubt and so i started off I started calling people to fill seminars. I had a heavier Irish accent. Yeah. I was calling people who were very confused by what I was trying to communicate, <laughs> what I was trying to invite them to. Uh, it was very frustrating. It was very humbling, and it was fantastic. And I, I did sales, and then I ended up going on the road with you and running the road. And that's where I got to meet the customers. And right. when I met the customers... Because you were a bit skeptical, right? Because here's the thing. You have your brother, mm. and we in Ireland, we're skeptical by nature. Yeah. And you come over here, you'd already had your own business. Yeah. I'm doing well, but mm-hmm. you're like, you yeah. know, seminars, yeah. positive motivation, yeah. self-improvement. That wasn't part of the Irish culture we no. grew up in. It's more so now. Yeah. But still kind of new to a lot of Europe. Yeah. But so you're a little skeptical. Mm-hmm. You go, man, he's got these Americans. <laughs> he's kind of pulled the wool over their eyes a little bit. Yeah. And then you got to see the people and what yeah. was really happening. Well, you know, and the Irish thing is we just have a policy. We don't believe anything you're saying. Um, and, <laughs> Cause and cause so, your lips are moving. Yeah, exactly. So it's like we want to see the doing. We don't want to see the talking. And when I came over, I wanted to go to the seminar because I wanted to see what this thing was about. And I sure. thought maybe there was a head shaving ceremony or something, a Kool-Aid drink <laughs> concession. But it was interesting because I heard you do your thing and I was like, wow, that's good. That's really good. And again, for those people who listen in here, like you see your brother, you see a sibling in a different environment and it breaks through maybe a different view of what you had of them. And for you to see you doing your thing was cool. But then I kind of do what I always do, which is part of what we're talking about today, is I went and I interviewed people who were there. I go, why are you here? Why did you come? I wanted to see if when I looked in their eyes, did they actually, did their eyes dilate at all? Or were they just kind of the zombie, mindlessly following the guru over the edge? Right. And every one of them was like, this has changed my life. This has changed my life. This has changed my life. And it was consistent. And I was like, well, hold on a second. He couldn't change a light bulb when I was in Ireland with him. And now he's changing lives. <laughs> so it became more real. Yeah, And it was inspiring. And it also made me think of, here I was in business. Here I was in sales. It's one thing to be a sales guy. It's one thing to go out there and work hard and try your best. It's another thing to become a business person. And the fact that you had gone through and pioneered this process, and you had gone, you had learned from Zig Ziglar and Jim Rohn about the personal growth and development part of your life. 
you had the drive, mm-hmm. but the structure that was created for you to create a system to support your strengths and your gifts and succeed, and then for you to be able to kind of make a template that in such a way that other people could walk in that structure to succeed. Mm-hmm. And then as I sat and I reflect on my own career, having done the hustle sales, door-to-door sales, the service sales of people coming into a shoe store to buy something that they want, to running a business, the logistical side of running a business, I could resonate with their struggle because I was like kind of, hey, I wish I had had this in my business. And so that's what really resonated with me. And I think that it's like everyone, everybody's past experience sets them up for their future. Sure. And I think coming in and being part of Buffini and Company and earning my stripes every part of the way to... When I had earned my stripes and I'd worked inside the company and worked my way through the company. So you started on the lowest rung. You were calling people, inviting them to yeah. a free seminar. Right. When you have a hard time getting somebody to do something for free, mm-hmm. that is a hard thing. But it's amazing how free is often difficult. You did that for a number of years. What was the next thing you did? I ran the road. I ran what the events. What does run the road mean? Were, so you, were you a marathoner? What? <laughs> there might be 500,000 so, people who don't know what the right, road Right, so means. when we do an event, we typically have, we'll have a couple of thousand people in the ballroom. We're yeah. broadcasting it maybe to ten or 12,000 people all across the country. Yeah. We bring out a crew of staff. There could be 30 to 50 people. And you've got to get them from point A to point B on time in a coordinated fashion, not sure. lose anybody on the way. Yeah. And they all need to know their roles and responsibilities and I was the man who ran that crew and we've known to be a little fanatical about customer experience yeah so there's a lot of details to take care of and well my, my job know. was to make sure that before you said a word from stage and talked about the content that they had already experienced it right we're intense we like to get after it but we like to have as we say at home the crack which means the fun yeah and so it was, it was great fun and it was a learning experience that allowed me to play a bigger role in the company but also challenged me in so many ways of organization, so many people supporting you. Mm-hmm. And then from there, our footprint started to grow on a grassroots level with all the agents and brokers and all the business people we were serving, small business owners. Companies wanted to know, what are you doing? Why are these folks doing so well? Right. Why are they happy? Why are they excited about their business? And these companies weren't all thrilled with us in the early days because no. they didn't quite know who we were. Right. Initially, a lot of them were defensive because they thought we were trying to take their mm-hmm. people away from them and supposed to serve them. Yeah. So... We established this corporate relations department, mm. which you headed up for, yeah. I think, what, seven years? Seven years. But there was also one thing you and I didn't know, which was we never considered ourselves being in the seminar business. For the same reason as when I came to the first seminar, I don't necessarily believe the speaker. And people had, seminar companies had gone before us, and they had uh, had a negative impact on organizations. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that that had happened. We didn't know that it happened. But what we were able to do is go and build a relationship with these companies to say, we want to help you help your agents. We want so you to, to be give a little context to that. People would come in, organizations would bring a speaker in, mm-hmm. and person might have gotten a little full of themselves and whatever else, and it would be, yeah. I don't care what management's told you, right. I don't care what the company stands for, you listen yeah. to me. Right. And that had happened numerous times. Yep. So when we came on the scene, people had that same view towards us, and mm-hmm. they thought, now it wasn't like we are going to tow the company line, but we said, here's our philosophy. We're here to serve. Mm-hmm. We're here to help. Mm-hmm. We want to help companies. We want to help local offices. We want to help individual business owners. Right. And that's all we're going to do. And it yeah. took a long time for people to believe us. Right. So it was all about building a relationship and right. building trust and telling them why we're here, what we do, what we're trying to do, that we want to be a good house guest. We want to support them in their efforts of supporting the people who work at their company. And that resonated with people. And we earned that trust. And that led to us... You know, working with the major corporations we are today. You know, I tell people all that they say, well, who do you work with? Well, we work with somebody who wants to make 50 grand a year up to a brand that's 
$56 billion a year brand. And so the principles are the same, but that's kind of our range. And I was blessed to have the opportunity to kind of drive and lead that charge and brought us into Canada. And, and, and again, at the end of the day, what we did was great. I think what, what I enjoyed was I, I built relationships with people and earned their trust and did what we said we were going to do. I mean, yeah. it's very simple, but it's it been is, great. It's simple when you're gifted at it. At the end of the day, you know, I've always said, you know, you have a Rolodex that is extremely powerful. You have built relationships with both people in and outside of our industry. Some folks might not realize the real estate space by itself is 16% of the U.S. economy, mm-hmm. the largest economy in the world. You know, one out of every eight homes is sold through people we coach mm-hmm. in the U.S., one out of every seven in Canada. But now real estate represents just one industry that we serve. We serve how many now? Over 41 industries. Yeah. I mean, small business is small business. Right. You know, these principles apply. I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of these principles came out of our our dad's business about how to serve a customer, take care of them. So that's been interesting. We've always been very faithful in the industry we've worked in. But now what's happening is just left, right, and center. We've got more and more people showing up who are small business owners who go, love the content. How do I implement it? How do you help me? And that's where my journey has kind of has progressed through where three years ago I took over CEO and it's been it's been awesome. I wasn't prepared to ask you this question, but I'm curious. What is your philosophy as CEO? You've been very successful. I, I've been the CEO of my own company twice. <laughs> we've had five CEOs. I consider you the best we've ever had. Oh, and we've had some very good players. Why are you a good CEO? What do you do well? Well, thanks for that. I, I guess for me, one of the reasons I always think I'm always looking to get better. I know my weaknesses, but I think ultimately it's like, what business are you in? And why do your customers buy from you? Uh-huh. And why do you exist? And what's your product? And not getting confused about that. I'm working hard to stay really focused on that. Uh-huh. We exist for 20 years because people go, I need help. Uh-huh. I hear the information. We don't have a knowledge issue. We have an execution issue. Uh-huh. And the thing about it is we help people do that. So staying really focused on what we do. The second thing is, we're not shipping toothpaste. You know, we serve people who have heartbeats, they have emotions, they have a lives, they get freaked out. Mm-hmm. And we also serve people through people. So from my job is, number one, is my customers are the people who work at Pafini Company. Mm-hmm. And my job is to serve them the way, same way as I would serve a corporate client. I need to create the environment for them to succeed. I need to make sure they're in the right position. I need to make sure that they're supported, that they're growing. And I also need to make sure if they're in the wrong position that we find either A, a position for them in the company, or they don't belong. And, well, and you've obviously been successful at this. Congratulations to you and the organization. Uh, recently, San Diego's got three and a half million people in the county, mm-hmm. and the San Diego Tribune just awarded Buffini Company one of the best places mm-hmm. in the whole mm-hmm. San Diego County to work. Yeah. So even though you're focused and you're driven and getting things done, you've also created a culture yeah. where people seem to like yeah. uh, where they work. Yeah, and also I think one of the things as well is that everybody has a boss. Even if you're the owner of the company, your customer is your boss. Mm-hmm. It just so happens my boss is my brother. Yeah. <laughs> so I think one of the things is the same way with the client is really clear about who your customer is and what they want. And then my job is to figure out how do I, how do I help that. And so it's been awesome and it's a growing experience. And, and I think... I've learned a lot. I've met some incredible people along this journey. I've had the, the just the privilege of meeting some really quality people who are not only just extremely successful, but they're just good, decent, sharing people. We're going to talk about Takeover Tuesday here in a minute, but I, I'm curious. People now come to you. You've become a brand in your own right. You know, you used to be Brian Buffini's brother, but now you're Darren <laughs> Buffini and you're the CEO of this company, mm-hmm. and people are reaching out to you all the time, mm-hmm. especially for advice and input, and you mm-hmm. have great relationships that's... That's probably the thing I admire the most about your in your business world mm-hmm. and your business life. But let me ask you this. 
what is the typical problem you see with business people when they come to you for advice? There's got to be patterns. And again, you're dealing with some folks even that have much larger businesses. What, what do you commonly see that people are doing wrong and how do you try to help them? I think it's the same thing we have to fight for all the time is clarity. Mm. You know, are you going north, south, east or west? You know, I think there's so many things, whether they're in our personal life or business life, that we're getting hijacked on the way to our destination all the time. Mm-hmm. So I think one is like, what are you trying to do? Yeah. Secondarily is like, who is your customer? What's your goal? Who's not your customer? Mm. What's the non-goal? So I think there's a lot of times, like me, I can't help myself. I have to go outside of myself to ask other people who are not attached to my world to speak into my world. What I love is the opportunity to kind of ask some questions, ask people, hey, what do you love to do? Are you doing enough of that? What's your role? What's your company do? What product, what service do you provide? And a lot of times is you hear people talk themselves into clarity. Mm. I've seen you do this with people where you go, what do you want? Well, I think it's a really hard question for people to answer. And I think one of the things I've seen is that when you ask people what they don't want, they can yeah. tell you that in three seconds. Right. And then what's the opposite of that? Right. So if that's what you don't want, what do you want? So Sometimes it's a process of elimination rather than selection, right? Totally. And, and again, the same thing as what you said. Like, you know, you've said this. Everybody has what they need. Just sometimes we lose sight of it. Yeah. And we don't know that we already have what we need. And that's what coaching does, right? We pull totally. out of people yeah. what's already in there. Yeah. You know, we don't put into people something they don't have. Right. It's about pulling it out. Right. And then yeah, I think clarity is a big thing. I think especially in entrepreneurism, you know, what makes you great is the ability to be able to see needs, bring the energy to a solution and then bring it to the marketplace. Yeah. The problem is you can do that with all things all the time. So most people seem to be over-opportunized, too much going on, not enough focus, and then it gets down to poor execution, so basically being choked by over-optimism and over-opportunity. And if the leader's not clear, what do you think the people are behind them? What's going to happen with them? So I think that's the number one thing, and I think that's why, like for me, like I love listening to podcasts. I love listening to other people's stories and journeys, and Mm -hmm. because I learn from them, and you can see yourself in them. Right. So... And that's why this Takeover Tuesdays come up, because in addition to you running a very successful company, thank God, by the way, it, all mm-hmm. the proceeds of Buffini Company <laughs> go to feed hungry children, six of them. Yeah, uh, mine. <laughs> but the other part of this is you've built relationships. And I'm going to get into that a little bit here in a mm-hmm. minute, because uh, it's something I admire in you. I'm pretty relational. I'm just not gifted in it the way you're gifted. And people are drawn to you. You create very healthy boundaries with people. Uh, you've become influential. You're a guy that people go to for advice and input. And you've built this, what I say, is this supremely powerful Rolodex, which is also why more people are drawn to you all the time. There's people who want to come and exploit your Rolodex, mm-hmm. and they're clumsy at that. You know, mm-hmm. Dermot, can you give me an introduction to this right. guy? No. Yeah. But then uh, along the way, the one of the ways you build relationships is ask people questions, get them talking about themselves, yeah. which has led you to be a natural interviewer. So... Talk a little bit about, let's switch gears here for a second. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about this Takeover Tuesday yeah. and what you're going to bring to the table here and, and yeah. see if I can get these folks excited to, to yeah. tune in. I think the relational part is a big piece of it. I think my learning style has always been, I think a lot of people learn through stories. Yeah. And I think I learn through other people's experience. I'm not afraid to say to somebody, what have you done well? Where have you got it wrong? Where do you blow it? What advice would you give me? And so I really enjoy people. You know, I don't like them all. Yeah, I love a lot of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the ones I love, I'm really interested right, in. Right, yeah. And at the end of the day, I think having a natural desire to really to enjoy people, to want to know them. And I think, you know, the old saying is that people 
need to buy into you before they buy from you. Mm-hmm. I think there's so much in that. And I think having a natural curiosity about people's stories. And most people don't think they have a story yeah. until you start asking them some questions. And what I love to do is, because that's been my learning style, I like to go and ask people their thoughts, their ideas, their stories. And that's how I've always learned. And I'll be honest with you, I've, I've grown as much, you know, obviously I got exposed to personal growth and development through you through your journey watching you doing I'm going that's working out for him I want to get on board with that Um, but I've also I think for me I've just garnished so much by going in and being curious and somewhat vulnerable and sitting down with people and say listen what do you think about this tell me your story and I think I love to do that because as you said earlier I always love to ask the question why Mm -hmm. why did you do that and why did that happen you know just getting a little deeper meaning and I think most people learn from other people's stories because they can see themselves in other people's stories it's huge it's huge and so basically once a month you're going to go through your Rolodex yeah and I know you've already uh, lined up some very very interesting (laughs) very influential very powerful people and that many of the people who even work for these folks don't know their story right And, and the truth is most people think their story is not that interesting in fact I'm talking to you and you're kind of sloughing off your story a bit. Yeah, true. Because most people think their story's not that interesting, you yeah. know. And there's great power in it. Mm-hmm. There's great power in it. There's great influence in it, you know. Again, people can see themselves in mm-hmm. this. Yeah. You know, facts tell, stories sell. Right. It's a great deal. So just keeping up with that for a second here, because there's a lot of people listening to this who would love to build better personal relationships, mm-hmm. but there's an awful lot of entrepreneurs listening to this podcast mm-hmm. who... If they want to make a quantum leap in their business, mm-hmm. building relationships is one of the key Im- ingredients. Mm-hmm. We have a strategy called top-down, middle-in, bottom-up. Right. Can you talk a little bit about that for a second and what that means? Yeah. You know, I see a lot of people go for the home run. Right? Yeah. They're going to, if I could just work with the Apple. Yeah. That's the top-down. Yeah. Like, if I could just see suites I'd and, have a great business. Yeah. And if I could serve them... Then I, I could all get it done at all, all at once, and right. I could be on the beach, and the credit cards would be chinging in the background. Right. You know, the power in the individual relationship, if you can't serve one, you can't serve 10. If you can't right. serve 10, you can't serve 100. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it gets out of sequence. So for us, we're a grassroots business. Our customer is, you know the number, it's probably, what, 28 million small business owners in the United States. Mm-hmm. And twice that number again, up to 53 million of self-employed people. So it's small right. business and self-employed is over right. 50 million. Yeah, and so most of those people maybe have one or two people work for them max. Sure. Okay, that's really our bread and butter. Yeah. So we never lose sight of that. You know, we have huge organizations we serve, tens of thousands of employees, Mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands of agents working for them. But we know our number one customer is our bread and butter. That individual who comes in as a small business, as an entrepreneur, is somebody who has a business and they just need some help. So we really stay focused on that. And we have a group of people dedicated to supporting. So just to to corral you back into my question here, Your Honor, I have a hostile witness who won't answer the question. The grassroots person is what you would call the bottom-up. Yes. That's the grassroots. It's one-on-one. Yep. That's the person right. you, you're doing business with. That's right. your customer. Right. And that's who they do. Middle-in. Right. Tell me who middle-in. So middle-in is the people now who have maybe 20 or more people working for them, up to maybe 600 people. Okay. They've got different needs. You know, they were the nose in the aircraft. They were the individual doing the business for themselves. They yeah. built a team. They've grown their companies. Yeah. And now they're further away from what they used to do because now they've got all these other demands on them and it's like... You know, the lunatics have the keys to the asylum. Right. We have a team dedicated towards supporting that group of people because right. their needs are a little bit different. Right. But it's the same process to bring it back to clarity right. about what's your job, 
who do you need who do you support and having the grassroots makes the middle in far more viable right so then top down top but, down they're the yeah, whales right? right they take an awful long time to build relationship build trust right. with you need to have a longer term perspective with the big companies okay that's big that's big and, and why is that talk about that a couple of reasons is because it's never the person at the top that makes decision like a buffini company you and i are the top guys mm-hmm. but there's somebody inside the company who somebody really needs to connect with it's not you and i yeah and at the same time, you've got to have patience and you also have to prove yourself. And I think we've done a good job of this with our clients is where whatever opportunity they gave us, mm-hmm. it might not have been the opportunity we really wanted. Right. But we were like, if they give us $100, we're going to give them $200 worth of value. I would say of our big relationships, and again, we have many publicly traded Fortune 100, 500 clients, none of them gave us a good opportunity to start with. Right. It never started out right. as, oh, that's a home yeah. run, that's a, yeah. you know, a lay down. It was always totally. a grind, prove yourself, yeah. start small, test, right, right, market test, right. Um, we'll do it in this one area yeah. or this one region yeah. for this one season, yeah. and then it takes an awful long time to, to grow that relationship and, and develop mm-hmm. trust. And then big corporations, right. they move slow because their decisions are huge. Yeah. They have big implications yeah. and big legal implications. Yeah. Well, and the other side of it is why you want to start small with the biggest organizations is you want to make sure you really want to work with them. Mm-hmm. It's a good decision. That's happened for us. We're right. working with an organization, and through the process, we're like, we don't want a relationship with this company. Mm-hmm. You know, our mother say, show me your friends, and I'll tell you who you are. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. It's like we've made some good decisions at times going, that's not a good client for us. It's going to turn us into a company we don't want to become. They don't share our values. They don't really value. It's a very transactional relationship. And transactional relationships burn people out. So right. I think for us, I love serving all three. And I think we've done a good job of keeping them in priority, which is the number one is the individual. Right. Two is the groups of people who are a little bit bigger and have a company. And you know, it's fun to sit down with a large company and tell them, hey, we love working with you, but our real customer is one individual working out of Well, you, you and know, I have also Sanose. sat down at a conference table in the past with the owner of a whale. Yeah. And after having a meeting with them, saying, I don't think we're a good fit for one another. Right. The thing about it is, those that, you know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Mm-hmm. You know, beware the guy that only has right. huge corporations. I mean, I love the, the story of um, one of the major retailers here in the U.S., and uh, they had a local guy in their local market making their lawnmowers. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, he lands this huge contract, and he expands his factory and he expands his distribution lines and he's doing it all up in the first two years everything's going great and then they came back to him they said we want a 30 percent reduction in your price mm-hmm. he couldn't do it yeah so they basically knocked off his product sent it overseas and right put him out of business and here's the thing he went out of business all his employees went out of business why right because he had all his eggs in one basket That's right and the truth is let's be honest this is might sound uncaring his business strategy was i'm going to get the whale because it sounds so much easier. Yeah. What we're talking about sounds like a lot of hard work. Yeah. You know, it is hard work to give all your energy to the individual customer where there's not that big a margin. Right. And, and I think a lot of times the bigger companies can get bigger and not better. And if you're having a hard time right now in your home life or your personal life or with your goals, your personal goals with this business, it's not going to get any better when you right. work with the bigger folks. Right. So what's the opportunity cost? So I think at the same time is the relationships that you meet with inside those organizations are also your guides towards, they can help shape the relationship towards what you do best. And I enjoy working and serving with big companies, but I enjoy the individuals 
that I've learned. Enjoy from, it all. I don't, yeah, I Which enjoy the relationship. Yeah. So just a little bit of nitty gritty here for somebody. I've seen you go and play in a charity golf tournament hmm. where you actually went along because many people don't know. Dermot is a very good golfer. We grew up playing golf. Our dad was a golfer. We were both very low handicappers for a long time. And my handicap went up a little bit because I actually was working for a living and he was the CEO of a feeding company Marjorie, there it is his there it handicap is. 24 low. minutes it took it took 24 minutes <laughs> thank you don't know how it all happened <laughs> but I think someone offered him a free dozen golf balls there would march across the desert for a free golf ball mm-hmm. and so you go to play in some charity golf tournament to give you a free set of golf balls it was local you're going out for a, a, a game of golf and a week later we're having a meeting and you're telling me about two meetings you have hmm. set up one's a billionaire and another one's uh, run a billion dollar company mm-hmm. and they're coming to meet with you and so on and so forth now I'm on the other side of it where I do that stuff and I have people hanging out of me yeah. who are clumsy yeah. who approach me I get letters and emails every day up yeah. to wazoo in the thousands every month yeah of people who approach me, I want this from you, I want yeah. that, can I do this, all I need is an hour of your time, da, yeah. da, 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 and to the point that's, you know, no, yeah. it's I don't, not fun. I, it's yeah. not fun, but how are you able to do it, these are very busy people, yeah. yet I've seen you do this hundreds of times, yeah. where you're able to engage these very successful people, yeah. to the point, the next thing you know, they're taking a tour of our company, they're walking through, they're giving you business advice, yeah. how are you able to do that? Well, I think, I go into every relationship, I'm not looking for anything. Right. I don't want anything. I actually don't want to be around a billionaire who's a pain in the arse. <laughs> like, I don't. I, I don't want to. Like, no. I, I don't need to be around any more ego. I, I right. look for people. If Hold I, on a second. You said, I don't need to be any more ego, and you slid your chair towards me. <laughs> Hang, what does that mean? Well, that took me a minute. Um, <laughs> listen, I'll tell you, I, I think that, you know, look, when people are constantly coming to you looking for something, it's very... It's a very inhumane De-hum- process. It's dehumanizing yeah. as well. And, 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 and these people run around. They, they, you know, they just want to be normal right. people who want to have a bit of fun. And they've done well. And now they're a means to someone else's end. You know, mm-hmm. People just want to have a good time. I like getting to know them. And I don't care whether they're a billionaire, a millionaire. They got nothing. Right. You have the same philosophy. I've seen you miss an airplane to help somebody who's down to the last $40 because you want to help them. Yeah. I think if that's in your DNA and you really want to help people, and you love people, and you enjoy them, and you want to have fun, there's nobody in the world who doesn't pick up on that. And I think people feel you more than they see you, Mm. and they listen to you. And I don't have an agenda. And I think there's a lot of people who I've met, Mm -hmm. and I've heard you say something similar. There's a lot of people out there who've done extremely well, and people make the mistake of always looking for something from them yeah. and it's typically an opportunity and what they have to share is experience yeah. and that's far more valuable and right. I found there's a lot of people out there who are lonely billionaires mm-hmm. who would love to help people and would meet someone for lunch well, with is, no strings it's, attached it's, it's lonely at the top it truly is and one of the reasons for that is because you get yourself in a spot where people are constantly coming to you mm-hmm. looking for stuff right people are consistently very clumsy mm-hmm. with that. I, I don't think it's always bad intention. I think it's rarely bad intentions. But it's, I want something from you. You can do something for me. 
as opposed to contribute and just connect them as a person. I just thought of this right now. I think sometimes you have to see it in front of your life. I remember years ago being at the golf club and Newlands Golf Club is a great course and back in Where Dublin. we grew up, it was full of tradesmen and painters and plumbers. So and many great relationships. And I won't mention his name. He was a good friend of my dad. We had a great time and he was in a certain business that we wanted to do transportation. And my mentor at the time, who's the owner of the company, said to me, hey, you need to, he does a lot of business. You need to go and get the business from him. And I was probably 21. Yeah. And I tried to do that. And the manner and the way I did it, I really didn't feel good after it. Mm-hmm. And he didn't feel good with me. Mm-hmm. And I think I took advantage unintentionally of the relationship and the rapport that was there. And I didn't build a relationship with him. And even to this day, I'm not sure if he saw me come and he'd run the opposite direction. Yeah. But that happened to me when I was 21 and I didn't like how it felt and I didn't like how I knew it affected him, but he never said anything to me. Right. But I knew that is not so the way to do it. So you've made the mistake. You've, yeah. you've, you've had the experience. I've seen the other side of it, yeah. yeah. Where you were clumsy, you were ambitious, yeah. you were trying to, right. but you had the gifts to do it, yeah. but you kind of ignored them for expediency. Right. And I was being, and by the way, I was being mentored to do that. And instead of trusting me on... And again, you don't know what you don't know at 21, right. right? But at the same time is you need a couple of those to realize, I blew that. Like, I I blew that with that person. Yeah. And even today to think about it, I'm telling you the story, I'm like, I don't think I've ever told anybody yeah, that. So no, thank, I didn't know. thank you, Father. Yeah, right. You know, That's a little three confessional. And there, I must yeah. say, I must, my father will be listening <laughs> to this podcast and he'll be rooting yeah. out who yeah. it is that you ticked off at yeah, the Yeah, so the bottom line is I never want to have anybody experience me that way. Yeah. And I think at the, at the same time, there's a lot of people who get very used to being treated that way and they have a radar for it and they've got a quick hook for it and when they don't have to worry about that yeah, and they feel safe with you you know people want to share people well, want to in my career I actually did very well back 25 years ago 30 years ago when I was selling real estate yeah. and I actually was able to build relationships with a lot of wealthy clients and the reason is I treat them like a regular person if I was giving out Irish tea bags for Christmas mm. I didn't get them a gold encased cup Mm-hmm. And at this and that, I was giving out tea bags to everybody, and I gave them tea bags. I like to tell the story of one of our clients. So back in the day when the postal rate used to change, mm-hmm. and uh, we used to encourage people send out twenty one cent stamps to all of your clients. So we had one of our agents, mm-hmm. a guy named Brian Helwig, mm-hmm. who's a, a guy we played golf with here not so long ago. Mm-hmm. And this was years ago. And Brian sent out twenty stamps, and his assistant mailed it all out to every single person yeah. in his database. Well, one of them was a guy named Dwayne Anschels who's a billionaire. He owns the Staples Center. He owns the Santa Fe Railroad System. And he had sent him 21-cent stamps. And he did it by accident Mm -hmm. because he sent it to everyone in his database. So now he's mortified. So now he's petrified. And he said, oh, my gosh, I just sent a billionaire 21-cent stamps to help him out. And our process was you send something, you follow up with somebody, give him a call. Yeah. And he didn't call him. He was embarrassed. He's like, I have just alienated and embarrassed myself in front of my top client. And he gets a personal note from him saying, by the way, I was doing my mail. I didn't realize the stamps had changed. Thanks a million. And he wrote him a personal note. (laughs) I love getting your marketing every month. Treating high-end people in a way where you really humanize them and stay disciplined. Yeah. The, to the fact I don't want yeah, it in front right. of you. A given to give, not give to get. Right. And I think it's a lot of little things. And, and you know, the thing about it is, the Irish across the world, wherever you go, yeah. the Irish are beloved. And I think because the Irish <laughs> I like I don't know ha- how sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> they like to have a good time. Yeah. You know, they don't live to work. Yeah. They work to live. And yeah. I think they smell the rose along the way. And I think every person you meet is an opportunity to kind of get to know. And I think the more successful people, they come across that less and less. And yeah. I think when they do they enjoy it and at the same time for me 
if I'm on the golf course with somebody and it's a billionaire and same for you right. and they're a jackass I'm not going to give him a card at the end of it sure. you know, I'll pray for them yeah right <laughs> yeah. but I don't need to be I don't need to presume right and so building relationships I remember a story one time where my wife had two friends from out of town mm-hmm. and I had been traveling a lot and I got in from I think I was in Toronto or something so I get in I'm tired I've been on the road and Beverly goes oh we got these two people coming over for dinner mm-hmm and I, you know, it's like, you know, I, I want to see the back of my eyelids for twenty four yeah, hours. I know that one. I'm exhausted, but you know, it's my bride. Yeah. She rarely does this, and these people are from her college days, and what they wear was not actually friends of hers. They were friends of a friend of hers. Mm. So when we meet them, they were a couple of interesting cats. You know, I'm exhausted. I'm tired, and Beverly's kind of quiet. So I'm the life of the party. Mm-hmm. So basically, I asked them a bunch of questions, and they basically, over a glass of wine, mm-hmm. both told us their life stories. Yep. I think in the three hours they were at the house, I might have said five things. Hmm. The next day, Beverly gets a call from her best friend, Becky, who said, thank you so much for entertaining. <laughs> that was a fabulous night. And the girl said, your husband's the most interesting man they've ever met. <laughs> and all I did was ask them questions about right. themselves. Because the truth of the matter is... Yeah. The word intimacy, I heard a message one time that was, into me, you yeah. see. Right. The truth is, not only do people want to get to know one another, people want to be known. Yeah. And I think if you take a bit of interest in somebody right. and you get to know them, you can do that. And that's why Takeover Tuesday sounds very appealing to me. <laughs> because, first of all, you have a great Rolodex of people yeah. who think you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. And you've built trust with them. I've heard you do interviews recently with a billionaire where I can't believe what the man was saying to you because of the trust. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it'll be very, very helpful for yeah. people. So I'm excited for that. So I'm going to keep plugging away. Yep. Let me do this uh, because this is still the Brian Buffini show. <laughs> I'm uh, looking at a cup with my moniker on it. I'm in my mm-hmm. palatial Brian Buffini nice. studio, by, nice, the way. by the way. This is not some podcast done no. out of a garage somewhere. No. This is a state-of-the-art facility. Yeah, it's um, good to see how the 1% live. Exactly. And I'm trying to help more people become mm. 1%ers. Mm-hmm. That's the goal. <laughs> uh, except maybe you. <laughs> but one of the things we do on the Brian Buffini show, I don't know if you've ever bothered to listen to it. There's a lot well, of people find it very interesting. I just think the more you do, the better you're going to get. Yeah, so it's well, very good. A lot of people think it's very good. <laughs> but well, one of the things I like to do is ask a series of questions mm-hmm. that seem to be very helpful. And so we'll, we'll go along with this. Okay. So first up is what is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? I think the best piece of advice I've ever gotten from anyone, I think it was from two people who might have told me the same thing. One of them is actually going to be a guest on the show, Rick DeLuca, who's got an unbelievable story. And I think it was Lou Holtz that gave it to me too. They just said, do the right thing. Mm. And I think it's so simple. And I think if I apply that to every situation and go, what does the right thing look like in this situation? I think that served me well. Now, were you a guy who did the wrong thing before that? Why did that advice impact you? I think it's just clarity because I think it's this. I might do the right thing based on the information and the knowledge I have at the time yeah. it might be the wrong thing but at least I can look in the mirror and say I did the right thing based on what I had in front of me and I know that in my own heart so I don't have to prove it to anyone I don't have to like it's a check so it's like, just validating for someone like a Lou Holtz or someone like Rick DeLuca who's a, he has a fascinating story right I think it's called An Interesting Life is yeah. the, the interview you got right. with him he's lived nine lives yeah. but do the right thing. Very yeah. clarifying. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay. What one talent or gift do you wish you possess that you currently don't? 
and don't communicate your desire to be a speaker like your brother. We don't want any petty jealousies. <laughs> it's a high-end show uh, here. So other than be a uh, world-class presenter, oh what would the one talent <laughs> or gift that you wish you possessed that you mm. currently don't? Mm. I think it would be interesting to be a really great singer. Come on now. I think I'd been dangerous. Huh? Bono no. type singer? Is that uh, yeah. Or, uh, you know, a friend of mine, David Lally, and he, and oh. he can sing like he's the podcast producer, I know. actually, but he's, he's a fantastic singer. I think somebody who can sing or play an instrument, it's just a fun thing to see. And uh, I'm great in the shower, but I've never taken it beyond the shower. But oh. I would love to have learned the gift to really sing well. I think that's powerful. Yep. It's interesting. We've had a, a magazine for our members for the past, I don't know, 15 years or so. And we always ask 10 questions of our guests that we have. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing to me over the hundreds of issues of this magazine we've done that consistently play an instrument mm -hmm. or be able to do something in the arts is mm -hmm. typically what, what people yeah. come up with. So, yeah. Good. Okay. What book has been most instrumental in your life? Mm. Well, there's a couple. One uh, On the business side, I think, when I read Jack Welch's Straight from the Gut, okay. not only did I have his story in there, which is a really cool story, mm -hmm. But it had like a lot of principles attached to it about just very simple. And he's a very bright guy. He'd running be a good, good GE. guest for your show. He would be. He would be. No pressure. But Jack Welch, uh, yeah, straight from the gut. I really enjoyed that book. And then on the other side, I think Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life was very powerful mm. because I think that was uh, one was for the business and the other one was for the soul. Yeah. And uh, so they're two great books. Great. All right. Uh, favorite song, band, uh, what's. What's uh, dad's jams? You have two great kids. Oh, you yeah. get into your Tesla as you pull away. <laughs> Can't actually hear it. I have a Maserati, so you can hear the sound. But he has an environmentally conscious golf yep. cart. <laughs> 600 horsepower uh, golf cart. What tunes are rocking in the uh, the Tesla? What is it I you listen to? Of, I think we're, like, we're kind of all souls, you mm -hmm. know? Like I could have anything there from Benny Goodman to, yeah. you know, the Kungs or whatever they're called, you know, and let the kids get in. But U2 is never too far away. Right. And uh, I think there's so many anthems inside of there right. that stir me. And I think there's a lot of, like, you know, like even Amazing Grace is one that stirs the soul. So sure. I have a list. I think it generally involves some sort of stirring of the emotion. Yeah, that's great. As I've evolved as a person or developed as a person, you know, I used to be when I was young and on fire, it was Desire by you two. Yep. You know, yep. and then later it was I still haven't found what yeah. I'm looking for. And now it's kind of when love comes to town. So, yeah. you know, I've kind of, <laughs> I've gone through the yeah. growth with Bono there myself. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people don't realize our sister was the masseuse for you two. So they used to come over to our grandfather's house. I don't know if you remember yeah. that when you were I a kid. Know. and. I'd always be painting or working around so I could see the lads. So it's a little more personal for us than it is the rest. <laughs> All right. What movie do you watch over and over and over? If it's on, you'll stop and watch it. I tend to watch movies and, and move on. You know, okay. I enjoy them and I love them. And there's the ones that, But like at Christmas time, I'll always watch White Christmas. Okay. And I think that's a memory from the past. Yeah. And I think there's like the music, right? There's just there's times and seasons for music that they really mean something to you. Right. So I love the White Christmas. I used to love the John Wayne movies growing up, sure. you know. But I think now I kind of there's so many movies coming out at one time, you know. But um, there's some that I watch for seasons, but I don't know if there's one that I watch over and over again. My kids saw White Christmas the other night for the first time, which shocked me that I'd never showed it to them, but they could remember it. Mm. And um, I had just showed them. I, we don't have many pictures of ourselves growing up. Mm -hmm. But I found an old picture, I think our brother John sent it to me, of our dad and mom when they were dating. Mm. So let's see, they're married, what, 60 years. Mm. So this is when they were dating. My kids were shocked 
that our dad looked like Danny Kay in White Christmas. <laughs> he does. And he had the pants and whatever else. He, he kind of looked like him. Yeah, and dance like him even. I don't know about that now. Georgie, was, Georgie may play football like Danny Kay, <laughs> maybe. Well, I will tell you this. I'm, I'm really excited about being part of this. I've got some great people lined up to go and talk to. Huge. Huge. <laughs> it's going to be big league. There it is. And again, it's part of this whole journey. I've been part of your journey. It's been a blast. But like the people we've met, a lot of fantastic people, but like I never thought growing up in Ireland I'd meet a millionaire, never mind a billionaire. Right. And it's just amazing to see how ordinary and what amazing stories they have. And uh, I'm hoping that people really enjoy listening in. Well, I'm hoping uh, in addition to doing the podcast, you get back to your job so <laughs> I can get closer to the billionaire status that I deserve than uh, right. this current measly millionaire status that's really <laughs> dragging me down. By the way, speaking of that, we have uh, this blitz coming up for those who are in our membership and program that uh, starts mid-January and so this broadcast will be going out mm -hmm. so make sure you're part yep. of that we want to help great. people uh, grow their business in a short amount of time so yep. happy to help them do that so last word for the day here you know we have some folks out there this is kind of the new year they're getting the ball rolling they've got hopes for the new year they've got aspirations what are you going to do yourself to make sure that you have a great year I'm going to take a bit more time to focus on enjoying moments with my family mm -hmm. for myself I'm going to do a better job this year putting the vacations in the calendar mm -hmm. that's a tip I got from one of these people that you're going to hear from mm -hmm. and I'm going to smell the rose a little bit more we've worked super hard for the last <laughs> 20 years mm -hmm. I'm going to continue to work hard but I want to work smarter and I want to enjoy the journey and so that's my goal and I think the first three months I'm going to make sure I do all I can to have a good time have fun and uh Keep working. Great so. stuff. Well, I've actually uh, surprisingly really enjoyed having you on here today. <laughs> I can't believe I was able to make such a great interview uh, with such little talent. And uh, no, it's as you can tell, we like to have a good time and uh, bash each other along here a little bit. But the good news about being Irish is you don't take yourself that seriously no. and you don't take anyone else that seriously either. Not for long. <laughs> and so uh, it's actually been great. And I know there's a lot of people will uh, get a lot from you. You're a heck of a man. Thank you. I'm very proud of you. I'm very honored to have you as the CEO of the company. In fact, for everybody listening to this show, if you weren't the CEO of Buffini Company, the Brian Buffini Show wouldn't exist. Mm. So you've allowed me to pursue these other interests. Mm -hmm. We have a big release of a book coming up next year. Mm -hmm. That just takes an ordinate amount of my time to do, to do right. Mm -hmm. And I've never really had a chance to do this stuff. For years, I created world-class content but I never had an outlet for it to go beyond the seminar or the environment I was teaching it in. Mm -hmm. And this podcast is now in 122 countries. We've been able to reach hundreds of thousands of people. Oh, that's cool. And it's because of your leadership at Buffini & Company that I'm still engaged in, I'm still involved in, I'm still working for Buffini & Company, but you freed me up to be able to go and uh, impact and improve the lives of more people. So I'm very indebted to you. If those of you who are listening to the show, if you enjoy this show... Mr. Dermot is one of the key ingredients to help you, you. get access to the show. So yeah, I do I appreciate, appreciate that. that. So let me end this show the way I always do. I want to remind you to head over and leave a review on iTunes. If you're listening on Android, go to Google Play and you can tune in for free there as well. I love hearing your feedback and also the reviews you leave help spread the word. And I also would love you to spread the word, uh, not just about this podcast, but also about Takeover Tuesday. This coming year... I will tell you that we have some fantastic guests lined up. 
We have some world leaders and influencers lined up. We have some content that we're really going to take this whole podcast to the next level. And uh, the level of success that it's enjoying, uh, we are honoring with our level of preparation. So stay tuned. Uh, it's been good. It's going to be great. So as I finish here today, I'm going to leave you with a little Irish blessing that our grandfather always said. May the roads rise up to meet you. And may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields. And the sunshine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. We'll see you next time. <laughs>